Drax is the largest provider of renewable electricity in the UK and plays a critical role in ensuring a secure energy system. The company has plans to invest billions in new infrastructure, such as bioenergy with carbon capture and storage, which will create thousands of jobs, whilst also delivering the energy needed by homes and businesses up and down the UK. Discover more at Drax.com. Hello, welcome to Coffee House Shots. I'm James Heal and I'm joined today by Kate Andrews and Katie Walls. Now, Kate, yesterday off the back of the uh, news that the Bank of England would not be raising interest rates, uh, Jeremy Hunt gave some pretty downbeat, pessimistic interview talking about tax cuts and the likelihood or lack thereof. Um, what's this all about? So last night, the Chancellor was speaking to LBC and he was asked about the prospect of tax cuts and he said that they were virtually impossible on this side of the year. I don't think this is totally surprising. It has been thought for quite some time that if there were to be a pre-election tax cut, that would come in the March budget next year. It probably wouldn't be in the autumn statement as this year is supposed to be, you know, from the government's perspective about tackling inflation, making those tough choices. I think next year is supposed to be that pivot where perhaps you you see some more money returned from the Treasury to the taxpayer. So I don't think the, the comments are, are truly shocking, but I do think where the Chancellor points the blame is only half the story. He pointed out that interest payable on government debt has skyrocketed over the past few years because interest rates have gone through the roof. And he's right about that. If you look at figures from July, they were the highest on record about what the government was having to pay in terms of interest payments on public sector net debt. August was better, but I think it was the third highest August on record for interest payable. So, you know, the government is now paying a fortune to service money that it has already spent. You don't get anything new for that money. You don't get tax cuts. You don't get new hospitals. You get nothing. And, you know, that that puts puts us all in a very difficult position, including the chancellor. What the chancellor didn't mention is that he's also spending a lot of money, right? Uh, In his March budget, he decided to expand free childcare, free. I'm saying that in quotations, um, <laughs> childcare hours rather than go for tax cuts. He's He has used his fiscal headroom so far to spend more money with an ever-inflating NHS budget, welfare budget, pension budget. The government is just on track to spend a lot more money. So I think it's, it's fair for him to point to all of these unexpected costs because of higher interest rates. It is also fair to point to the fact that it is this government included that is quite actively ramping up the overall public sector net debt uh, this idea that they're going to make good on that pledge to to start seeing the debt fall, I think was always a bit of a fairy tale. But, you know, you can watch the numbers tick up. We see it every month with the public sector finance update, which we got this week. That number is only going up. Uh, And until the government decides to change course on that and make some really difficult decisions around public spending, it's just going to keep going up. And that means that it is incredibly difficult to talk about meaningful tax cuts when you've made all these promises that just aren't sustainable without a lot more money. Katie, we're approaching conference season. Next week, it's the Conservative Party conference. I'm sure at that conference, we're going to see you know, MPs on certain bits of the party calling for things like tax cuts ahead of the next election. What do you think the census in the Conservative Party about the government's uh, fiscal approach here? I mean, how much is there a sort of political risk to the Prime Minister, Chancellor, if they don't have go for tax cuts? Or is there a sense, perhaps, that the whole party is united behind Jeremy Hunt and Rishi Sunak's plan here? It will shock you to hear, James, that the whole... Tory party is not united on any one issue, um, including tax cuts. Wait, what? (laughs) Scoop. Now, I think that clearly you're going to see a push for tax cuts. You can hear it. You know, some MPs are quite public about the fact they think there should be space. If we look back to Liz Truss's speech earlier this week, that is one school of thought. And and Rishi Sunak will keep facing those pressures. But 
I think it was always quite unlikely they would do anything too significant in the autumn statement. It is still the case that the Tories want to have a tax cut before the general election and therefore see where you get to next year in the spring. When it comes to what's going to be in the autumn statement, I think the focus is very much the out of work. So what more can you do in terms of trying to fix the problems of getting more people back to the workforce? And then also trying to fix the fact that we have very bad investment at the moment in the UK. So what can you do to make the UK more of a lucrative place for investment? Now, some would say (laughs) that can be done through more repealing tax measures. But I think what you're more likely to see is, you know, for example, the full expensing that was done previously. Is there there something in those type of areas that Tories could go in on? And famous last words but you never know there could be you know a rabbit in the hat in the autumn statement but that's not really Rishi Sunak and Jeremy Hunt's style here because you've had a situation whereby obviously the markets reacted very badly to things last year I think stability predictability when it comes to fiscal measures is valued more than ever so it's just not something whereby I think Jeremy Hunt would even want to surprise people with a tax cut come the autumn and it's about seeing where you get to, I think, in the new year to, to what the Tories could do. It's one of the reasons, you know, for example, things like inheritance tax, which come up. I think all of this is, should be seen in the prison, what the Tories might say going into an election. And obviously they might be able to do some measures before it. And they could also put some things in the manifesto. And it's not just the Tories in the news, of course. Uh, Kate, Rachel Reeves, Labour Shadow Chancellor, has made some announcements today about the Office of Budget Responsibility. Tell us about them. Yes, this is a, a joint statement, really, from the Shadow Labour Leader, Kiyostama, and the Shadow Chancellor, Rachel Reeves, about how they would empower the Office of Budget Responsibility rather than strip power were they to come into power. I don't think the announcements in and of themselves are actually that bold. They're suggesting that they would introduce legislation that would let the OBR independently publish their own impact assessment of any major tax change or spending change that might be announced. Now, they are an independent body and and they do publish these things. But of course, as we saw last year around the infamous not-so-mini budget, Liz Truss and Quasi Quartain essentially said, no thanks, we we don't want your assessment and we're able to to push that to the side. And I think the idea behind what Stammer is saying is actually they would be able to to do this more freely. I think the timing is interesting as we are just at that one year anniversary of that mini budget. And the fact that Liz Truss did not include an independent assessment of really significant fiscal measures turned out to be a grave error. I mean, one of the many reasons that I think markets were quite spooked because they really just, they did not have a firm grasp of the numbers attached to these things. The irony is that when the OBR did assess her energy price guarantee, which was this huge price control spending extravaganza they actually assessed in October last year that it would be significantly cheaper than her own growth plan did her own growth plan put it at 60 billion pounds every six months I think the OBR put it at 55 billion pounds for about 18 months significant reduction in what they thought it was going to cost and there's a real irony here that had she used the OBR in the first place perhaps markets would have responded better to what she actually put out but I think there's a broader lesson here which is we've seen it we've seen it for years now these four forecasts can be helpful. They can also be badly wrong. And I think what prime ministers really should be doing when they get these OBR forecasts is they should be 
backing their policies, saying, look, the OBR says this about my plans to cut tax or grow the economy or to spend this or to not spend that. I think it's wrong. I respectfully think it's wrong. Let the OBR put out their forecasts. And then if you're so confident in your policies, try to prove otherwise. And that is what happened during the David Cameron years. The OBR consistently would play down his workforce reforms and his labor reforms, which actually were quite significant for growth. So, um, you know, I, I think I think that everyone's kind of missing the lesson here. But Kia Sama and Rachel Reese just can't help themselves but to take the moment and find some opportunity in it. And this announcement coming on the week of this trust's speech, as Kate says, is no accident. I think, you know, something I wrote about previously is how in the shadow treasury they wanted to take full advantage of this week the anniversary of the mini budget to try and remind people of what happened of course they were helped by that by Liz Truss who also decided to do something <laughs> on the week Great, which I think yeah. was beyond you know Labour's actually wildest dreams and they were thinking about how can we make the links for people and then it's like oh okay there she is um <laughs> so so that's uh you know explains the timing and I think when it comes to you know Labour's attack positions on various things such as net zero clearly where they are most comfortable and they don't have to to even think is just Liz Truss and you could see it after net zero you know Keir Starmer put out quite a meaningless tweet I think a few hours after the net zero pivot from Rishi Sunak which was just about you know my government will be fair my government cares and so forth but the you know because I think they were still trying to work out their exact position okay but in terms of labor attack they just went to you know Liz Truss Liz Truss said this Rishi Sunak's now pocket. done it Rishi yeah, in the exactly and like yeah. it's I think their comfort zone which they just they just they're very they're not always sure how to respond to a policy issue particularly under pressure but i think uh, they do they are certain that reminding voters of the liz truss era is good news for labor and finally katie away from the economy there has been reports today that rishi sunak is pressing on with his plans to reform the education system and particularly trying to encourage students to carry on studying math until the age of 18 what's behind this and how likely is it that something can actually get done before an election so something I wrote about in the magazine this week is this conference speech that we're expecting from Rishi Sunak. And part of that is going to be, I am the minister for hard truths, um, you know, listen to me and not Keir Starmer or others who, you know, tell you they're easy solutions. But I think the other part of this is going to be trying to say, here's what I would do were I to have, a, you know, a full term, were I to win an election, which right now people might not think is too likely a possibility. But I think when you hear people saying, oh, Rishi Sunak needs to have a vision and hope, this is going to be less about just having dividing lines with Labour, which is a key part, clearly, but also about, you know, what would Rishi Sunak do if he had a mandate, if he uh, had a situation where he could choose? And one of the things I said was education will be a key part of that. So the reports today, the Times reporting that one of the things he's considering is replacing A-level with a British baccalaureate I think fits into that now we already know Rishi Sunak is someone who is very passionate about maths you know keeps saying these things um, so I think changing the A-level system to something where you know you would have to do maths up to this point and shaking up is consistent with a lot of what he said previously but as you point to I think most of this stuff would be post-election if the Tories somehow get to a fifth term and that is what you're going to be hearing more of in that speech Thank you, Katie. Thank you, Kate. And thank you very much for listening to Coffee House Shots.